And this morning, the message is titled Diverse Unity. Diverse Unity. Now, I spent quite a bit of time this week seeking the Holy Spirit, and this was the message that was on and in my heart, and I could not get away from it. Diverse unity. You know, we're in a time, we said this at the beginning today when we prayed, that there are a lot of things going on that are, that are very dark, that are very divisive in nature. And what I love about the body of Christ, what I love about the church, among many other things, is this, in a time that so many people in the world are so divided because of diverse conditions, because of diverse thought patterns, because of diverse backgrounds or cultures, the body of Christ is still unified. Amen. In fact, we are still the greatest unified force to have ever existed. That's exciting. And this morning as we get into the word, I believe what, what you're going to see as I see is that the world needs this. The world needs this kind of unity today as much, if not more, than it ever has before. In a time where not only our nation, but the world as a whole is so divided. Finding so many things to get mad about. Divided about. We need a message that brings us together. We need a message that unifies us. And Christ is the answer. There is no other person, no other message that can unify the whole world like the gospel of Christ crucified. Amen. It's good news. And everybody likes good news, right? Amen. Amen. Let's get into it today. Romans 15, 5 and 6 is where we're going to begin. And as we turn there, I want to give you this thought, kind of as a, a main theme for today's message. A diverse and unified body is God's glorious plan for his church. A diverse and unified body is God's glorious plan for his church. And what we're going to look at this morning is the balance of diversity and unity and how in Christ the two work together for a glorious result. Few other places, and we're going to talk about this, few other places anywhere can you have both great diversity and great unity combined together. Most of the time, and I'm going to talk more about this, most of the time when you have diversity, there's division. But in Christ, diversity can become unity. It can become support. We're going to get to that today. Let's read Romans 15, 5 and 6. It says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we experienced this even to a degree this morning. You know, we had a glorious time praising our God, didn't we, this morning? It was glorious. You know, one of the reasons that it was so glorious is because it was unified. We came together, we unified as one church, and we sang praises to our King. That's a glorious thing. This is God's intention for His body, is that there would be this kind of oneness. He, he writes in Romans and says, a complete harmony. I'm going to give that the word unity. I mean, I, I can't think of a better way to describe that. Complete harmony? I mean, that sounds like something maybe difficult to achieve. You know, this, this idea of complete harmony 
It's God's. He came up with it. He came up with unity. But it's not something uncommon for today. You hear kind of this same idea of unity or complete harmony, something referenced in the Bible. You hear it talked about in culture today under the the wording of maybe teamwork, maybe unity, collaboration. I mean, you hear these terms and the world's familiar with it, but no other place but the body of Christ does it really come down to complete harmony. Complete um, interaction with one another where you're on the same page with the same goals. He writes here and says that we may join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God. You know, this, it also is something we see in, in Romans 15 here. It's not an easy thing. And we even know that from the way culture tries to approach this. I mean, has anybody ever worked for an organization that, you know, wants to do some team building stuff? And they pay a lot of money and send you on things. or like they, they go through extensive measures to try to build unity. Because honestly, it's a very difficult thing to do. It's impossible without Christ. And here what we see is the writer of Romans is actually praying. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony. And ask of God for this help. I don't know if this has been in your prayer life recently. Lord, help me live unified. But it should be. It's in mine lately. I'm telling you what, it's difficult to live in unity. To live in, maybe we say it the way it's written in Romans, complete harmony. It's tough. It's tough for, it's impossible for the world. And without allowing Christ and the Holy Spirit to come and work on you, it's impossible in the church. Because where there is great diversity, there is opportunity for division. But we're not a divided church. We're a unified church in Jesus' name. There's a description given here in Romans 15 of the Christ kind of unity. The unity of the church. And this is where we're really not going to find anything like this anywhere else. It says, join together with one voice, giving God praise and glory. You know, those first two points may be imitated other places. Join together. We have one voice. We've got one message we're communicating. Even if we don't all agree on it, we're saying one thing. We're all joined in one place. But the one thing, the most unifying thing that we're going to see in this that that the world cannot get on board with is giving God praise and glory. Let me just say it this way. When you give God praise and glory, you are being unified with the body. When you praise and worship in church, you are being unified with the body. It doesn't matter if you had an argument with your spouse or someone else on the way into church in the morning. When you come in and you're both praising or you're all praising God, you're in union. You're one in your message. It's the most unifying thing we can find. Colossians 3.14, the next scripture I'd like us to see this morning, is this, joined together, love and unity go hand in hand. Love and unity. In fact, I'll say it this way, because this is where we're headed. Love is the key ingredient to unity. Without love, there there is not unity. Let's read Colossians 3.14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. In the New Living Translation, it says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So there again we see this wording, perfect harmony. And we're just going to give that the title, Unity, for today, okay? Perfect harmony. 
Put on love because love is the thing that binds us together. Love is the thing that brings us together. You know, to the last thing we were saying about praise and worship, giving God praise and glory, how that brings us together as a church family, as a body of Christ. That's an expression of love, isn't it? You know, I come into church and I sing, not because I just love singing, although I do like singing, but it's mostly because I love God. I wouldn't be singing to him if I didn't love him. You know, I'm not not one of the people that I just go along with what everyone's doing. I I know there are people like that in here and there are people, might be a little bit more in personality like me where it's, I'm going to do what what I'm going to do. Do I have any other people like that in here this morning? Okay, don't raise your hands. You don't want to identify yourself too much. But with that personality, it's, it's easy to understand where a person's at because I'm not going to do what I don't want to do. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not praising God. I'm not singing about God because there's like a social pressure to do it. I don't come to church and sing because everyone around me is singing. I come because I love him. I sing because I love him. And it unifies me with my church family because we're all expressing our love for God. Love is a key ingredient to unity. It says, put on love. Clothe yourselves with love. One of the things this tells us is that love is not automatic. Love is not automatic. It's, maybe we could say it this way. It's not the default setting. You know, when, and I just realized I didn't dismiss the children as I'm about to talk about kids. So uh, if any kids want to go out, now would be the time. I'm sorry about that. What I was about to say was that when a newborn baby is born, they don't come out clothed with anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay, they don't come out with clothes on. We know that. Well, the same way, I don't just come out with love on. I don't just, it's not automatic. It's something that has to be intentionally put on me. And so as I wake up every day, I make sure I've got my love on. No, I don't take it off when I go to bed at night. I don't, I don't say, all right, I'm done loving people for the day. <laughs> and if you do, repent and stop doing that. I don't take it off at night, but I check to make sure it's on before I go out every day. Like, you don't want to show up at work without any clothes on. You don't want to show up somewhere without your love on. Amen. Wouldn't be good. It's unbecoming to show up naked. It's unbecoming to show up without love. And what it's going to do is divide. Where there is no love, there will be division. Love is the key to unity. And love, what we know of reading the word is this, love is giving of self for the benefit of another. Giving of self for the benefit of another. Greater love has none than this. The one should die for his friend. That's giving myself for one another. We, we, we could talk about relationships, marriage. Love is sacrifice. Giving up me for the benefit of you. That's what Christ did for us. You know, even our love of God, we're, we're giving ourselves up. Have you ever thought about it this way? Have you ever thought about the gospel this way? This message doesn't always preach because it's about giving myself up. People don't, you know, it's not a holler message, but you can still, you can still amen if you want, okay? 
When I became born again, myself died. I gave it up willingly. You know, we preach about the free gift of Jesus, and it is, but I got to give myself up. I don't pay for it, but I let go of something to have it. And what I let go of is me. My love for Christ is letting go, letting myself, my flesh, my old sinful man die. That's a sacrifice. Now I'll tell you this, it's not a hard sacrifice to make. Any amens for that today? It's not hard to get rid of the old man because he wasn't that good. And the new man, the new life is a whole lot better. It's easy to trade that out, but I'm still letting go of something to receive the new life. Love is giving of self for another. And so as we talk about love and unity working together, we recognize that in order for there to be unity, there has to be a degree of self-sacrifice, of, of giving up of myself, my wants, my purpose for those of Christ. This is how we become unified. It's like when I show up at church and let's say I came in and I just didn't feel like singing this morning. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to sing. I'm choosing myself over my love for God. And I didn't mean to call anyone out this morning if you weren't singing in worship. But that's what it is. It's, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do it. That, I'm not unified. I'm out of union. Because everyone else has one voice with one purpose, doing one thing. And I'm over here looking around or, or checking my phone or, I don't know, drinking my coffee or something else. Union, love go hand in hand. And love, of course, has to do with giving of self. I think we sometimes recognize where our love is at because of this, you know, this part of love where I give something in love. It makes it really easy to determine where love's at because I can just look at what I'm sacrificing for. What am I giving and what's the benefit? Am I willing to give up something that Christ wants so I can have something from somewhere else? Let's put the positive spin on it. Am I willing to give up something for work or for personal gain or, or for a relationship so that I can be more in unity with Christ? Well, I've got my love right. Where I sacrifice is indicative of what I prioritize. And what that really means is what I'm sacrificing shows what I love the most. I mean, you know this is true. We make sacrifices in life every single day, don't we? I mean, you have to. You, you, you have to choose. You have to prioritize, right? What I love the most, I'm going to prioritize the most. I'm, I'm going to, it, this is going to be the last place that I sacrifice. This is going to be the last place I step out of the union. Love shows us our unity. And so to be united with the body of Christ means I am prioritizing my love of God. I am prioritizing my relationship with God and with his church, with his body. And so each and every day, I'm telling you, put the love on. Don't go anywhere without checking your love. Because it's really easy to run out of the house without doing a check. And then you're talking to somebody and, oh, whoops, I just... I just stepped out of unity in some way. I, I, I just, 
misstepped. But if I had had my love on, I wouldn't have done that. So check the love, and you'll be in check on your unity. Romans 13, 8 through 14, continuing on in unity. In this first part of the message today, we're talking mainly about unity, and then we're going to talk about diversity a little bit when we get further on, and then we'll, we'll end it by just bringing them together and looking at the glorious result. Romans 13, 8 through 14, continuing to talk about the priority and the importance of Christ's unified body, why unity is his glorious intention for his church. Romans 13. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's so powerful. Love is so powerful. One commandment makes up for all the other ones. This one commandment makes up for every single commandment that has to do with you and me interacting with each other. There's a whole book of law written about how we're supposed to get along. Isn't that ridiculous that we need a whole book of rules about how we're supposed to get along with each other? I mean, my gosh. Is it really that hard? No, it's not. One commandment. He took the whole book and said, if you do this one thing, you're good. You do this one thing, you're united. You know, God, he wrote the book of the law so that Israel could stay united as a nation. He knew if they didn't have the law about how we're going to interact with each other, they would just like rip each other apart and there'd be no Israel left. I mean, that's what would have happened. Because... Flesh nature is, I want what I want. I'm not looking at the whole, I'm not looking at a unified body. I'm, I'm looking at me. And Jesus says, all of those rules in this one commandment, I can sum up, love your neighbor as yourself. Give yourself up and put them in that place of prioritization. Love does no wrong to others talks about what it means. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. And then this is what he says next, and, and I think this is so important for us today to hear this word. This is all the more urgent. This was written 2,000 years ago. So if it was urgent then, it must be urgent now. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up! For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. He's talking about the day that Jesus comes back. He says it's near now, so this is important. That was 2,000 years ago. If that was then, how much more urgent must it be now? That now is the time we have to live in love and unity because soon he's coming back. And then this is gone. Like, we're not going to have to work to subdue the flesh because the flesh is going to be gone. You know, I'm not going to have to work to love and stay in unity because that's going to be it. I'm going to be with God and, and love is who I'll be. It'll just be my spirit man who's been renewed and is full of love. I'm not going to have to Make decisions to have it right at that point. 
He says, it's urgent. We have to get this done because soon the day is coming. And when that day comes, those who are not in unity are gone. This is so important because there are lives on the line. Unity, believe it or not, unity is so important. Not just, it is important for the health of the church. It is important for you and being able to grow in your own personal life because we need one another to grow as the body of Christ. That's how he made it. But it's so important because there are people who will die and go to hell if God's church is not in unity. There are people who will look at the church of Jesus Christ and say, no love there. No unity there. And they'll die and go to hell because they've rejected the truth. Let's keep reading because he, he talks further about this. He, he says, because we belong to the day, we must live. Descent, descent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. What is this scripture telling us? Our unity is a witness to the world. The unity of the church shows the world God's love. You know, another scripture, it says we're the ambassadors of Christ. We are the representatives. What we're doing directly affects him, reflects him. So if we're not reflecting him well, people are going to have a skewed image of who God is. 1 John 4.8 says God is love. God is love. We as the church have to be love. Because we're trying to accurately reflect him. Amen? I want my life to reflect Jesus. I want my church to reflect Jesus. And I'm not saying that as the pastor. I'm saying that as a member of Abundant Life. Not my church. Our church. I want the place I go to church at to be a place that reflects the life of Jesus. I want the place I go to church at to be a place that reflects the love of Jesus. I want unity at my church. Because there's no unity without love. Unity is a sign of a loving church. Unity is a sign of a loving life, of, of a life willing to let some of myself go so that I can be united with others. There's a wasp up here. Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? Okay. think we're good <laughs> reflexes at this point all right <laughs> moving on <laughs> all right that was nice was that love yeah the wasp is not in unity the wasp is not in unity today all right Let, let's keep going this morning matthew 5 is where i'd like us to go next matthew 5 23 through 25 i want us to look at a passage of scripture that shows how high of a priority unity in the body of Christ is. The first time I read this, I could not believe it. 
I thought, there's no way Jesus said that. But it, it's in there. It's in red. He said it. Let's look at this. Therefore, Jesus is teaching this. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there, while you're giving your gift, you remember that your brother has something against you, what are we supposed to do? Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus says, before, if you're worshiping me and you remember that you're not in unity with your church, with your brother in Christ, leave worship. Leave the service and go make it right. Can you believe that? Jesus, what are you thinking? I'm not leaving church to go apologize to someone. That's what he said. Leave your gift there. Leave worship and go make it right. Unity is such a priority. I mean, can you picture that happening today? Like we're here in worship. We're, we're doing tithe and offering. There's no coronavirus and we're passing the plate around. And all of a sudden you think, ooh, me and, me and brother so-and-so we had it out earlier this week. I need to go apologize. So you get up. Oh, Pastor Isaac, tell me no. You get up out of your seat while everyone's here and you walk out the door to go make a phone call. Or you, you just leave and go find them. I mean, who does that? Jesus says that's how we're supposed to live. It has to be such a high priority in my life that I'll leave worship to make it right. I'll tell you this, okay, this is Isaac Wangler, the pastor of Abundant Life. If you need to leave praise and worship sometime, to, like if the Holy Spirit reminds you of something you need to go make right, do it. That's a higher priority according to Jesus. And Miranda and the worship team and I will, will be cool with it. Okay? It's a priority. It's so important that we're in unity with the body. Because our unity is a reflection of Jesus. And I think part of the other issue with this and why he, he says you have to go and make that right, right away. You remember some months back when we were talking about like thorns and splinters? I got that image again while I was, I was preparing this message. When we have stuff between us, when we have stuff stuck in our body, it starts to fester. It gets infected. It gets nasty and it causes problems. Have you ever had that happen in life? in your family, in your friend group, in your co-workers. Something gets in there, divides you, and all of a sudden, it's a lot bigger issue than it was at the beginning. It never like goes away. It, it never just gets better. It always gets worse. And that's why it's so important in the body of Christ. We have to be willing to go and get that division out. Get that thing stuck between me and my body out of here so that we can be united and healthy again. Now let's look to diversity in the body of Christ. Because I believe this topic of diversity, I know we hear it talked about in culture a lot. The Word has some things to say about diversity. And diversity was God's plan. I mean, God created everything and everybody. So we know we serve a diverse God. I mean, He made Adam, but within Adam, He, he put the ability for there to be many diversities in people. He made... Animals, I mean, have you seen animals? They're so diverse. They're so different. 
personalities are so different. Amen? We serve a diverse God. It's His idea, and it's part of His plan. What does diversity look like in Christ? What is God's plan for diversity? Well, I'm going to start by just saying this. It's different than physical diversity. It's, it's different than just physical diversity. And I think this is part of the problem is the world really just looks at one kind of diversity. They look at one thing. What do you look like? What do you sound like? Where do you come from? I know that's three things, but it's kind of one thing. It's the physical stuff. There's so much more diversity. We are so much more complex than that. To, to boil it down to one kind of diverse quality is an insult to our Creator. He made us so much more diverse than that. Let's look at the spiritual state of, of diversity. You know, when you come into the body of Christ, the body is supposed to have diversity in it. Our church is supposed to be diverse. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2.2 2. Like newborn babes, you must crave pure spiritual milk. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. There's a diversity in spiritual conditions. The church isn't supposed to be all people who have been believers for 40 years and have the whole Bible memorized. That's not the plan. And it also shouldn't be people who all just got saved yesterday. A church is supposed to have a range of spiritual maturities. So that they can support each other, build each other, inspire each other. This is the plan. This is God's intention for His church. Is that there would be a range of spiritual maturity. That it would be diverse in this way. In Titus 2, um, and, and it's a pretty long passage of scripture. I'm just going to read one verse out of it. But you could read the whole thing in Titus 2. It says in Titus 2, 4. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and children. And then it goes on and talks about all the other things they're supposed to do. And it also talks about men, older men, training the younger men. What we see here is God's plan. It's supposed to be a diverse assembly of mature and immature, young and old believers. Building each other up, inspiring one another in the word of God. Let's look at some of the other ways God has made people diverse. We could talk about some of the gifts that God has, has put in. I've actually got um, kind of three different areas of Scripture, and we're not going to turn to each. But if, in Ephesians 4, 7, this is kind of the overarching verse we'll use for this. However, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. You've got gifts. And you have gifts that I don't have. And he's got gifts that you don't have. And she's got gifts that they don't have. Right. You're unique. Amen. You're different. And we're glad you're different. I want different people in my church. Don't you? Yeah. I don't want a church full of people that are like me. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be good. We need each other. You know, we see, um, we see in Romans 12, they talk about Gifts, prophecy, teaching, serving, encouraging, giving, leading, mercy, the motivational gifts. There's a wide range of those things. You know, the person that is motivationally gifted to lead may not have a natural motivational gift of mercy. And I'm speaking from experience. Praise God. He gives us diversity. 
And he allows us to grow. Praise God, I've got people around me with different gifts than me. Because they help me grow in the things I don't have. If, if I didn't have people around me that had different stuff than me, I'd just be a bunch of the same stuff. And I don't need to just be a bunch of the same stuff. We need the whole thing. It's incomplete to just have one part. You know, in other places, um, in 1 Corinthians, we see the Holy Spirit gives gifts for the church to operate. Words of wisdom and knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, um, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. Wide diversity. Many gifts. And no person has all of them. But we need them all. Which means we need each other. If, if I'm trying to do something without the body, I'm missing parts that I need to do it right. I'm missing parts that I need to be successful. You know, aside from these ways that Christ and God, the Creator, has made us diverse, we also see in the Word, and we're not going to turn to the specific passages, but we see throughout the Word that He wants a diversity of backgrounds and cultures in His church. If someone tells you something other than this, they're lying. The Bible shows us that we're supposed to have different cultures. We're supposed to have different backgrounds represented in the body. Because it's a worldwide body. I mean, it wouldn't work to spread the gospel all over the world if we only had one kind of people in the church. If it had just been Israel and just stayed with Jews, none of us, I don't think any of us, would be Christians. Maybe someone in here is of that descent and you would be. Most of us wouldn't be. America would have at no point had the gospel as a prominent religion or, or Christianity as a prominent religion. He wants different backgrounds and cultures. In the early, early years when the Bible was being written, Jews, Greeks, Romans were all people groups that the message of the gospel was taken to. That means it was for all of these different cultures. In fact, some of the original 12 Disciples, they went off into Asia. It was four different cultures. To say that Christianity is just for one group of people is a direct contradiction to what the Word says. We know this, it is for every tribe and tongue. All the nations shall hear. And for all the nations to hear, it must be a gospel that is for all the nations. There is great diversity in the body of Christ. The only, the only point of diversity, let's, let's read Proverbs 20, verse 10. There is a mention of diversity in the Bible that is, is kind of negative in nature, where, where God says something very negative about diversity. Let's look at what he says. Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. What does this mean? Double standards are an abomination to the Lord. Partiality is an abomination to the Lord. The way of Christ is a way of impartiality. He came for everyone. He didn't come different for me than he came for another group of people. There is no partiality. Amen? This is the only point where diversity 
is talked about with a negative implication is when we're using a different way to treat someone than we do to treat someone else. And so we as the body of Christ, we ought to treat everybody the same. Amen? Amen. Yes. We ought to we be champions of equality because we are all equally benefactors of what Jesus came and did. I'm glad he didn't treat me different than he treated the 12 disciples. I'm glad he's not partial because I don't know if I would be on the right side of that. Amen. Amen. We ought to be champions for impartial, equal treatment because that is who Jesus was. How we will kind of wrap up this morning is talking about this. In Christ, diversity unites rather than divides. In Christ, diversity unites rather than divides. We said this at the beginning. Diversity is something that has the potential to either divide a group of people up or to make them stronger together. Let's look at a couple examples of this. Ephesians 4.16. He, he being Jesus, he, which is encouraging because it's not you and me that does it, but Jesus does this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is good news. This is how we were talking earlier about a diversity of gifts, a diversity of personalities, of motivational gifts in the church. He makes all of those work together for the best possible result. This is one of the things that it, it does, we see it in the world not work. It doesn't make sense in, in a world system. I mean, if we thought about it, like for, for a very long time, the way it worked in the world was you stuck with your people because you were united. You, you thought the same way. You had the same ideas, same goals. This is how we're doing it. And I think you even, you kind of still see it on, on like, um, you know, with, with kids and stuff. Like, I, I noticed for a, for a number of years while I was a youth pastor, I noticed that some kids, have you ever heard about cliques? You know what I mean here? There's like this grouping of, we're, we're, we're alike. Me and you are the same, so we're going to hang out. We're going to get along. Right? Well, I think what's happened, actually, is the world has kind of seen and caught on to a principle of God that diversity can be a very good thing. This is why we talked about you know, companies and all these places. They go through such efforts to do team building because they know that if they can get unity in a diverse group of people, there is a very strong, very good effect. It was Christ's idea. It was God's idea first. The world didn't come up with team building. The world didn't come up with unity. God did. This is why the church, this, this should be the place that talks the most about being united together. Diverse people being united. Because it was God's idea. The world didn't come up with it. God did. He knew it would work. This was a principle that he put in place. In place. People of many gifts, skills, perspectives, callings, relationships, resources, all unified for the kingdom of God. 
Would you say this with me this morning? We are a perfect fit. Say that again. We are a perfect fit. Our church, we're a perfect fit. We fit together because we're diverse. And this is what God wanted for us. What we see in Ephesians 4.16 is this. As each does their part, the whole body is healthy and growing. As each one of us does our part, as each one of us brings our gifts to the table, the things God's put in us and given us and made us to do, as we each bring that to the body, it's full functioning. I mean, we know that bodies don't function well when part of it's not working. That's why we go to the doctor. That's, that's why we get fixed up. Because we want our whole body to work. Well, in Christ, spiritually, it's the same way. I, I want my whole body to work. I want the diverse people that are in our church all functioning. Because that's the most glorious result. That's where we get the most glorious results for God's kingdom. Is when everybody, the whole diverse body of Christ is all working together for the same purpose. It's good news. I get better because of you. I get better because of you. You get better because of them. We are all built up because we have different people around us. It's good news. The world needs to hear this. The world needs to hear the church saying this. I don't know how it got like off track, but I feel like there are people in the world that have this idea about Christians and about the church that like we're so exclusive. You got to be like us to come here. No, you do not have to be like me to come here. Yes, you, you're going to want to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, not for my benefit, but for yours. I mean, you're probably going to be real uncomfortable here if you don't believe Jesus is Lord and Savior because you're going to hear it a lot and we're going to praise Him for it a lot. I mean, that will be hammered into you if you come to church because it's the truth. But I'm glad you're not just like me. And so I don't know how that got... I don't know how this message got like messed up along the way. Since Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, I don't know who or what did it to get this... Well, I know who did it. It was the devil... Twisting the truth, making people believe that rather than a unified place where you're built up and you can use the things that are different about you to be part of a glorious result, rather to, to, to end up in this, this weird idea that the church, you have to be this way to come here. You have to look like this. You have to, you don't talk like what I was just talking like. You have to be a certain way to be part of us. No, that's not the body of Christ. If that was the truth, the gospel wouldn't be everywhere that it is today. The body of Christ would not be what it is today. The message of Jesus would not have succeeded and gone around the world the way that it has today. You know, I got this picture while I was, while I was praying and studying for this message. I, I thought about a boat. Not even a boat, a ship. Because there's a difference between boats and ships. Ships are the big ones. And they require lots and lots of people to all be doing very specific jobs in just the right way so that the ship 
can stay afloat and make it to its destination. That's kind of what it's like in the church. We have a bunch of different people that are all made very different, that are put here to do different things. And if the guy down in the engine room is not doing his job, then the guy steering the ship isn't going to be able to move it. If the person that's supposed to be feeding the crew isn't doing his job, then the person that's out cleaning the deck isn't going to be able to do his. We're all reliant on one another as the body of Christ, and we're all better when we have a diverse group of people. Amen. We succeed when we are unified in our diversity. This is the message today. Unified diversity is God's glorious plan. Let's look at John 17, 20 through 21, and this is the scripture we'll close with. Our praise and worship team could come up. I do not pray for these things alone, for these alone. Jesus is saying that, talking about the, uh, the original 12 disciples. He had just gotten done praying for them. And he says, I, I do not only pray for these. He says, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through the word of my 12 disciples. He's talking about you and me. Because it was the 12 disciples that originally, they took this message out and shared it with the world. And as a byproduct of that, you and I are here in church today looking to the word of God. You and I are believers today because of what the disciples did. He says, for all of those who will believe in me, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, And this is the the last piece of the scripture that that struck me the most in this message. That the world may believe that you sent me. That the church may be one so that people will believe I am Christ. Have you ever thought about the fact that your relationship with your church changes the way people believe in Jesus? What a responsibility, right? Right? The way you and I are unified with the body of Christ. It says that you may be in one. They all may be in one. So that people believe that I'm one with the Father. And that He sent me. That I really am who I've said I am. I don't know. Like I said earlier. I don't know how the devil has messed up the message. But he's done a number on it. And we as the church have to set the record straight. Amen. Amen. The world needs to hear this message. That we want diversity. We want unity. That's God's intent. It's His glorious plan. And that message, is that's what brings people in. That's a witness that brings people to know Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I live my life for the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. Let every tribe, tongue, and nation come to know the name of Jesus. Come to know my God, how I know him. My unity is a part of that happening. Do you see that this morning? Let's pray this morning and thank God for this word, for this revelation. And pray for opportunity. Opportunity to share this. He will bring it. He will open doors for conversations like this to happen. You know, I'm so, in a sense... I think we have such an opportunity right now because of what's going on around the world. There are people having these conversations. People want to know. People want to find a place to belong. 
People want to find a place to be brought together. I believe people are tired of being divided. And I believe the church is the place where we can be unified. People of every background, every nation can be brought together in the body of Christ. And I believe as we speak that message out, they will see connection between us and Jesus. Us and God as He was with His Father. We are one with Him. That they may believe He is who He said He is. That He is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Father, we thank You for the Word this morning. It truly is the answer for everything we may encounter in life. And as the world is in turmoil right now in many ways, Lord, as, as there is division throughout the nation and throughout the world at this time, God, I thank you that you may use it for good, that it might be an opportunity for the word to be spoken, for the truth to be preached, that your body of believers would be united not only in speech, but in life as well. That we would represent you accurately. That we would show the world a unified family, a unified body of many different kinds of people and skills and gifts and abilities. That as all of these differences, these diverse people are brought together, Lord, we would be a unified body, a unified group that shines your light into the world. That this is the glorious plan you had intended from the beginning. That our unity would be a witness to the world. In a world that can only mimic the God kind of oneness, the God kind of unity. God, I thank you that we have the real thing here. We have the real thing in your family, in your body. That there would not be any division and if there is, Lord, I pray that we would be made aware of it now. That if there is something that I have between me and my brother, something between me and my church, something between me and you, Jesus, I want that exposed right now so that I can pull it out of my life. That I might be fully united, fully brought together with you. That there would be nothing between you and I me and your body. Lord, I pray for unity. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you will have a glorious, glorious result. That your name would be praised and lifted high as people come to know you as King and Lord. We make ourselves available, Lord. Use us. We've been equipped, God, with this message. I pray that as we go, you would bring opportunity for us to speak it, for us to use it. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you all encouraged this morning? You're part of a unified body. We're going to end here with a little bit of praise. So would you stand and sing with us this morning as we end this service, praising our God.